Today's daf is Memchet in Sukkah. We are four lines from the top of Memchet Amud Aleph with the beginning of the Mishnah. We said earlier that the Halel, the recitation of the Halel and Simcha, which is a reference to consuming the meat of Korban uh, Shlamim, Korbanot Shlamim that were offered on the holiday to celebrate. This was done for eight days. So how so? This teaches you that a person is obligated in the uh, the halal and the rejoicing and the honor of the last day of the holiday, meaning Shemini uh, Atzeret, just like the other days of Sukkot. So that's why it says all eight days, because halal and celebration continue for the eighth day. Minhani Mile, where do we get this from? So asks the Gemara the Tanu Rabban, Vaita Achsameh, when it talks about Sukkot, it says Vaita Achsameh. Now Rashi says, Dishmini Chayav Bisimcha. How do we know that there's an obligation to eat Korbanot Shalamim and to rejoice on Shmini Atzeret? Because it doesn't actually say that anywhere. Um, it's speaking when it talks about rejoicing on the holiday about the seven days of Sukkot, but then it says Vaita Achsameh, that you should be um, very joyous. And uh, that extra statement of Ve'ayta Achsameach comes to teach you about the last day, about Shemini Atzeret. Ve'ayta Achsameach lerabot leleyom tavachon. That comes to include the night of Shemini Atzeret, that the night of Shemini Atzeret has a celebratory element. O eno eleyom tavarishon. How do you know it's not referring to the beginning of the holiday? Shuomer ach chalak. From the fact that it says ach, it's making a distinction. So Rashi explains here again how the drasha is working. It says the rabot leleyom tovacharon. It's coming to include the night of Shemini Yatzer. It has to be a celebratory time. The simcha shelefanav. In other words, it's to connect it to the simcha that came before. The seven days of Sukkot are extended into the night of Shemini Yatzer. The kol leloim shivat yahayamim sheizbach shelamim b'shvi'i kedei lecholel Shemini. So an unusual thing, a remarkable thing, that not only is the day of Shemini Yatzer included in the mitzvah of uh, rejoicing, but even the night of Shemini Yatzeret, normally the night time of the holidays, we don't have the obligation of Simchan eating the Korbanot. We only have that during the day. But here, we're obligated to bring a Korban on the seventh day, on Hoshana Rabbah, and then to eat the meat and rejoice on the night of Shemini Yatzeret. That Sameach, that Ach Sameach is coming to include um, the the night of Shemini Yatzeret. And Rashi goes on and says, Since we already have a mitzvah of rejoicing on Sukkot, So Rashi says, If the night time of Shemini Yatzeret is obligated in Simcha, in rejoicing, certainly the day will be. And the rest of the nights of Sukkot and the days of Sukkot are all included in the in the mitzvah of celebrating for seven days. That means the day and the night. So <clears throat> the chidush is that we celebrate not only the day of Shemini Yatzeret, but even the night of Shemini Yatzeret should have the eating of meat of korbanot. Uh, so the Gemara goes on and says, How do you know that the first night of Sukkot doesn't have a mitzvah that you should eat a korban. In other words, maybe you should bring a korban on Erev Sukkot and eat a korban shlamim on the night of Sukkot, the first night of Sukkot. Why do you instead say that you should do so on the night of Shemini Yatzeret? The Gemara answers, or really the Brighta answers, that the answer, that, that 
when it comes to the first day of Sukkot, Arab Sukkot is not a holiday. So slaughtering a Korban Shlamim on that day has no meaning uh, related to, to any holiday. The mitzvah simchav Sukkot starts in the daytime of the first day of Sukkot. However, at the end, on Shmini, on, when it comes to Shemini Atzeret, Erev Shemini Atzeret is actually the holiday of Sukkot. So offering the Shalmei Simcha, you're offering it at a time where there is a mitzvah and a concept of Simcha and Yom Tov, because it is the seventh day of Sukkot. And then you're taking that meat and eating it the night of Shemini Atzeret. It has Simcha Lefanav. In other words, Shemini Atzeret is preceded by a time of joy. So when you offer the Korban Shlamim, it's connected to the joy of the holiday and it spills over, as it were, into Shemini Atzeret. So there is a unique mitzvah similar to the mitzvah of Korban Pesach in the sense that you slaughter the Korban and offer it on one day and then the following night is when you eat it. So too there would be a concept like this on Shemini Atzeret. The Mishnah says, Sukkah, Shiva, Ketad. What do we mean when we say the mitzvah of Sukkah seven days? If a person finishes eating on Hoshana Rabbah, the seventh day of Sukkot, uh, he does not uh, take apart the sukkah. But after mincha time, in other words, once it comes to the afternoon, he should take all of his vessels out of the sukkah because it's getting ready for Shemini Atzeret. Of course, we're talking about in Eretz Yisrael. We're talking about in Israel where the seventh day of Sukkot is the last day of Sukkot. So he moves his things into the house because he's getting ready for Shemini Atzeret. Now the Gemara says, If he doesn't have any vessels to take out of the sukkah and bring them into the house, what should he do to show basically that he's transitioning out of the sukkah? Uh, so the answer is, So the Gemara asks, What do you mean he has no vessels? How is he living in the sukkah if he has no vessels at all? We're asking, if he has no place to put his vessels in the house, what should he do? In other words, you see from here that there's actually a mitzvah to show that you're finishing, just like there's a mitzvah to put your things in the sukkah in the beginning of sukkot to show that you're really going to be living there. There's a mitzvah to take those things out and put them back in the house to show that you've completed the mitzvah of living in the sukkah at the end of the, uh, at the, at the, end of the time period. What if you don't have anything, any place in the house to put the things that you have in the sukkah? Uh, Rabbi Chia uh, Barav, it says here in our Gemara, and uh, according to the site, it said Bar Rav Ashi, uh, or Bar Ashi, it should say. Rav Chia Bar Ashi says, You should break um, a four tefach square hole in the sukkah in order to damage the sukkah and take away its, uh, its uh, kashrut. And that way, since you're making sukkah non-kosher, you show that you're done with it. Rav Yishu Ben Deviyom, Amar Madik Bataner. Shabbat Nevi says, just light a candle on the sukkah. It's not a machloket. One is for us and one is for them. Now, what does Rashi say? What does it mean that is for us and that is for them? So he says, for the people in Bavel that also have to live in the sukkah on the Shemini Atzeret, right? So therefore, they cannot uh, break the sukkah to show that they're done with it because they actually have to use it on Shemini Atzeret because out of doubt, um, in, outside of Israel, uh, the, uh, people sit in the sukkah on the, on the eighth day, so they can't destroy it. Instead, he lights a candle in there to show that he's, it's not really the full mitzvah of sukkah. Um, uh, however, when it, for one who lives in Israel and is completely done with the sukkah, on Erev Shemini Yatzeret, he should actually break it. The asked, The idea of lighting a candle to, so to speak, invalidate the sukkah by doing something that's really not appropriate for the sukkah, that concept applies... To a small sukkah, but sukkah tulam ha'ikal memar, lighting a candle in a large sukkah doesn't show that it's not a valid sukkah. What you should do instead is bring in dirty dishes. Because, because as Rava said, the, the, the food utensils, in other words, that, uh, 
whatever is normally uh, those things should not be allowed to be in the uh, in the sukkah. You don't want to leave dirty dishes um, and so on in the sukkah. Only cups and things like that can stay in the sukkah because cups you refill them, use them again. But the dirty dishes should not be left in the sukkah. So what you do is you leave those dishes in there. It shows that the person is done with the sukkah. If it's a large sukkah, if it's a small sukkah, lighting candles enough to show that he's done with the sukkah and he's transitioning out of the mitzvah. This is according to Rashi's interpretation. There's, of course, other interpretations that don't say, uh, because Rashi has a unique chidush that he's saying that even for those who live outside of Eretz Yisrael, they have to... Um, they have to do something to show that they're invalidating, invalidating the sukkah before they sit in it on Shemini Yatzeret. That's a unique concept because according to, Mo, according to other Rishonim and the conventional understanding, uh, we're supposed to sit in the sukkah when we're in the diaspora on Shemini Yatzeret and there's no reason to change the sukkah in any way. We just go ahead and continue staying in it for an additional day. So that itself is a chidush of Rashi. Everybody else maintains that there is no reason for one who lives in the diaspora to uh, do anything to invalidate their sukkah until after Shemini Yatzeret. The Mishnah goes on and says, Nisuchamai Ketzad. Oh, so, so the, and the end, the end point there was that in order to show you're done using the sukkah, you put dirty dishes and so on in the sukkah that you normally are not supposed to leave there in order to show that you're finished with it. The Mishnah says, Nisuchamai Ketzad. What is the water libation? So, the person, uh, the Kohen, will, would, would have a, uh, a pitcher that was, contained three log, uh, and it would be filled from the Shiloach, from this uh, spring in Yerushalayim. They would come to the gate of the water, which was the gate that they entered with the Nisuch That's why it was called the gate of the water. They would blow the shofar, and Allah Kevesh, then the Kohen would go up on the ramp of the Mizbech, he would go directly to his left. There were two openings, like pipes of, of silver. There They were actually of plaster. They just became dark from use, from the wine that was poured down them, and that's why they looked dark, but actually they weren't made of silver, they were actually made of plaster. And they looked like two nostrils, had openings on the top. Takin, very fine nostrils. Um, and it says, uh, One of them was thicker and one of them was thinner. So they would both end at the same time. In other words, uh, one of them, one of the holes was uh, larger and one of them was more narrow because the Kohen would be pouring wine down one and water down the other. Water will flow quicker so it could go um, down the... Uh, uh, the, the more narrow opening and the wine is thicker so it should go down the wider opening so that they end up finishing at the same time. The wine needs more uh, a wider passageway to travel as fast as the water. Um, the one to the west was water and the one to the east was the one for wine. So in other words, when he would come up, remember that the Mizbech faced... Um, the, the, the Bet HaMikdash was oriented to the west. So the one that was, so to speak, closer to the Kodesh HaKodeshim, that was the one that was of water. And the one that was, that was behind that one, uh, one step further away from the Kodesh HaKodeshim, so to speak, is the, um, is the one for wine. So Shaliyayin, 
If the person poured the water into the wine hole, or he poured the wine into the water hole, so he gets that he fulfilled the mitzvah because it all goes to the same place under the altar. I was in three login, but one log, and it wasn't only poured on Sukkot, but even on Shemin Yetzirah, according to Rabbi Yudah. And they would say to the Kohen who was going to do this, Pouring of the water libation, lift your hands. Because one time, you say, the Kohen was actually a tzaduki. He didn't believe in Torah Balte. He didn't believe in the oral tradition of the water libation. So he poured it on his own feet. And everybody pelted him with their etrogim. And that actually, that story is actually told um, in a historic document of Josephus who mentions this situation happening. Uh, the same way it's done during the weekday, it's done on Shabbat. Except that they would fill the water pitcher, the golden pitcher, before Shabbat. Uh, they would fill. They would go fill a um, instead of a pitcher, they would fill a uh, a barrel actually of water from the uh, from the spring, and they would leave that for the next day. But if it spilled out or it was not covered overnight, so then then they would just go to the sink that the Kohanim usually used, the spigots of water that the Kohanim usually used to wash their hands and feet and they would take from there water for the because any wine or water that is left uncovered overnight is pasul for the Mizbeach and if the water uh, was left that way then it wouldn't be able to be used for the mitzvah the next day. Now the Gemara says, where does this come from? It's, in other words, where do we see this idea? Not about the Nisu Chamayim, because the Nisu Chamayim, the libation of water, is a Torah Shabal it's an oral tradition that is given the Moshe Sinai. But where do we get the idea that we celebrate? We do it in a celebratory manner with the blowing of the shofar. So the answer is because it says you shall draw water. You should do it with joy. There were two heretics, and it could mean a lot of times minim in the Gemara's reference to early Christians. Could be that one was named Sason, one was named Simcha. Now there's similar meanings. Both of them mean happiness or joy. The guy who was named Sason said to Simcha, I'm better than you. Why? Because it says in the Pasuk, Sason first. It says they shall, they shall attain Sason and Simcha, joy and happiness, let's say. So you see Sason is better. I'm better than you. Because when it describes the Jewish people at the end of the story of Purim, it says, Simcha v'sason Yehudim. It puts Simcha first. So Sason said to Simcha, Chad Yoma, Shavkuch, Veshavyuch, Parvanka. One day, um, they are going to make you into a... Uh, into a, uh, they're going to um, uh, reject you and make your, he says, they're going to take you out uh, and they're going to make you into a, uh, like a letter carrier, like a, uh, a messenger. How do we know that? Because it says, um, it says, because because with Simcha, you will go out. In other words, the person, so Sasun is making fun of Simcha and saying, you see in the Pasuk, it says, by Simcha, they will go out, meaning we'll send messages out, by Simcha, using Simcha uh, as the um, as the messenger. And Rashi uh, says, that he can see the way and he can, uh, he can travel uh, properly. And uh, Marley, he said back to him, Simcha uh, Sason, in other words, Simcha said to him, Chad Yomashim Kuch, one day they're going to reject you, and they're going to fill you with water. 
as it says, um, the Ushavtem Mayim Bissason, that um, they... Uh, that they draw water, you, you'll draw water with sason. In other words, he's saying that they're going to make you into a pitcher of water because it says they draw water with sason. So the, um, so Amar Lehaumina, the Shmei Sason Rabbi Abau, the heretic that's name was Sason said to Rabbi Abau, did you know that Atiditu uh, did you know that in the future you're going to serve me water? You're going to draw water for Sasson? If it said you were going to draw water for Sasson, then you'd be right. I would have to do it. But what it means is it, it doesn't say you should draw water for Sasson. It says you're going to draw water in Sasson, which means that they're going to take your skin off, make it into a water skin and fill it with water. In other words, he was basically saying a negative thing. The, the Sasson and Simcha were making fun of the Pesukim because they were heretics. So he made a comeback and said, no, what the Pasuk means is not that we're going to give you water, but that we're going to make you into a water skin. When the coin would go up on the mezbech, he would turn to the left. Normally, when you walk up the ramp, the ramp was always facing the south, right? It's on the south side of the mezbech. So you walk up northward. Normally, you make a right when you get to the top, and you go all the way around, coming back around to the west side eventually. But there are three things where you don't do that. It says, normally, you go to the right, and you go around the mezbech, and you come down on the left. Aulest, sorry, lishloshad varim, except for the person who goes up for three things. Halalu, she'olin dech small, v'chozrin alakif. There are three things that you go up straight on the south, on the left side, and you come straight down. Ve'elohen, nisuch ha'mayim, v'nisuch ha'yayim, ve'olata of kishur abdaba mizrach. That the nisuch ha'mayim, when when the kohen would go up to pour the water libation, or he would go up to pour the wine libation, or he would go up to do. Um, the Olata uh, of. So Rashi explains each one of these things. He says, um, these things are all done on the southwestern side, which is the le- to your left when you're walking up the ramp. So instead of going all the way around, you go right to the southwestern side to do it. So um, he says, the, the, in, so when it comes to the uh, Nisuchamayim and Nisuchayayin, that you don't want to walk around the whole Mizbech because the smoke from the Korbanot can cause the wine to be ruined or cause the water to become smoky. So you don't want to walk around the whole Mizbech to get to that side. You want to go straight up, even though it's to your left. And similarly, when it comes to Olat Ta'of, when there's no space uh, uh, in the, on the eastern side of the Mizbech, normally it's done on the southeastern side. There's no space, so you do it on the southwestern side. But instead of walking all the way around, where the smoke might uh, smoke inhalation might affect the the uh, bird before you have a chance to slaughter it. Instead, you uh, take it straight up on the left side, and again, the the ramp is uh, on the south western side of the mizbech. So by so basically going, you'd be going straight up and to your left when you get there. Um, then the Gemara says, "Ela shayu uh, the um, uh, really the two openings were both made of plaster, but they became dark because of the wine poured in them. We understand why the one that can that receives the wine would become dark, but why would the one that receives water become dark? 
So the answer is Kevanta Amar that since we say that if you pour the wine into the water opening or the water into the wine opening, even though each one is supposed to be designated for its own thing, but you poured them into the wrong thing, that it would be be okay. So that means that probably sometimes the wine did go down the water hole and it did darken it. And that's why both openings ended up becoming darkened, even though ideally you're supposed to put the water in the water hole and the wine in the wine hole. Uh, it says, that it, it was open, there were two openings, like two nostrils. It sounds like our Mishnah is following Rabbi Yehuda and not the rabbis. Did not. Because Rabbi Yehuda said that the person would only use a log of water uh, for each of the eight days of Sukkot. Because according to the rabbis, you pour three log of wine and, and three log of water. And so therefore, when you're pouring it down, if the opening for the wine were not wider than it would, and, and since it's thick, it's going to take much longer to get down since it's the same amount as you're pouring water in the other hole. That's why it has to be bigger. But if you held that, no, actually, the, the amount of, um, of wine and the amount of, um, and the amount of, uh, uh, water are different, and that really you um, really you don't need to uh, you, you're only pouring down the log of water. So that's according to Rabbi Yehuda, because says Rabbi Yehuda says In other words, according to the rabbis, it's the same amount. And Rashi says that the reason why Rabbi Yehuda requires them to be different is that since the amount of water right is much less than the amount of wine, so that's why you need a bigger opening for the wine to get down in the same amount of time as the water's gonna get down because you're using uh, uh, one-third of the amount of water than you are of the amount of wine. But if you hold like the rabbis, they're actually both the same exact amount. So it says, no, even according to the rabbis, you have to have a larger opening for the wine to go down than you do for the water because the wine still takes longer. So even though it's exactly the same amount according to the rabbis, it's not one log, but it's actually three log of water. Still, it's going to take longer for the wine to get down because of its thickness. That makes more sense. Because if we're going to hold like, if it were Rabbi Yehuda that we're talking about here, um, do we, uh, he uses the, the, the real term that Rabbi Yehuda uses is normally Rachav Vekatsar. He normally uses Rachav Vekatsar. The Tanya, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Shnei Kishvaot Ayushav, Echad Shel Maim, Echad Shel Yain, Shel Yain Pir Rachav, Shel Maim Pir Katsar. So he talks about how there were two openings. One was wide and one was uh, narrow. He uses the word Rachav and, uh, and he uses the word Katsar, not Ave, not thick. So that it would seem that... Uh, uh, that um, therefore you could tell that um, our Mishnah is not following Rabbi Yehuda because if it were following Rabbi Yehuda, we use different language. In fact, it is following the rabbis. And uh, so the point is here that, accor- that according to the rabbis, the same amount of wine, the same amount of water is poured on the altar. The reason why you need the opening to be larger for the wine is because it takes longer for the wine to get down. According to Rabbi Yudah, there's much less water poured, only one log versus the three login of the wine that have to be poured down. And nevertheless, he says that you have to have a wider opening for the wine than it is for the water because the... Um, because the uh, I'm sorry, the both, both parties hold that, the, that it has to be larger. The rabbis 
uh, because even though it's the same amount, wine is thicker. And Rabbi Yehuda, because the, the amount of water and the amount of wine are so different that um, you want to slow down the water, basically, so that the wine and the water get there uh, to the bottom at the same time. Uh, you, you're going to need to have one narrow and one wide. But we can tell that our Mishnah is following the rabbis, actually, and not Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda doesn't use the term to describe the opening, ave. He doesn't say that it's thick. He uses the term katsar and rechav. Narrow and wide. And so therefore you can tell our Mishnah is talking about the rabbis, not Rabbi Yehuda, even though the rabbis hold that the same amount of wine and the same, and the same amount of water is poured, both three login, um, down those openings, since wine takes longer to travel. Therefore, it needs a bigger opening to make sure that it can catch up with the water and they both hit the bottom at the same time.